Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Hey everyone, it is another episode of the Define University podcast. I am so glad you are here. Let's uh, let's not waste any time. This one's a good one. So let's uh, jump on in. So what I'm going to start with today is in case no one has mentioned it to you yet, education, guys, is very much all about marketing. And I know me saying that some of you might be listening and thinking, wait, what did she just say? What's going on? And others immediately might get angry at that statement. What? Education, marketing, totally different. And yet still there's some of you that might agree with that statement. Well, how do I know? <laughs> Pretty easy, because every time I bring this up with staff, those are the three main, re- three main reactions I get. I get people that disagree, I get people that agree, and I get people that are just plain old confused. And yet I keep bringing it up because I believe it's that important. And here's what I mean by saying that education is like marketing. We gotta sell our content, right? You could have the best content in the world. You could have the best takeaway, the best information to teach, But if you can't teach it or you can't share it in a way that is impactful, that's meaningful, that's fun for our students, then guess what? Guys, they don't learn the content. It's the same for business, right? Hear me out. You could have the best item. You can make the best invention, the item that everybody needs. But yet without marketing, no one is going to buy it. As a presenter, as a coach, as someone who works with multiple staff every day, marketing is essential to me. And I also believe that marketing of your instruction is essential to your role as an educator every single day. I believe in it so much, (laughs) so much that most of the personal development books that I read actually aren't found in the education department of a bookstore. They're found in the business section. Yeah, the business section. And that's where the book that I am going to be sharing about today came from. It's not from the education department. It is from the business department. And here's why. Business, as I just mentioned, business and marketing is what we are doing within our classrooms. Now, what I don't mean to sound like is that it's a transaction, right? That's that's the furthest thing from it. And I have to think that that's why people maybe get upset and maybe get angry when I go down that route. But what it is, is marketing is about selling your product. Well, as teachers, as educators, what's our product? Our product is our content. And so how do we do that? We do that through establishing connections and establishing relationships. And those two things together allow us to then sell our content to our consumer, to our client, which in all honesty are our students. So, you know, although some of the books, a lot of the books that I read might be written with a business mind, I find so much connection between the content as to what I do as a role as an educational coach, as well as information that I'll file under the, I wish I knew this when I was teaching, AKA the, I wish I had learned this in teacher prep course, instead of how to write a unit plan. 
As really quick side note here, I crushed it in college with my unit plan project. Anyone else out there have to do one of those? I had the binder, I had all the dividers, I had everything, it was so good. I put so much time and effort into that unit plan. I was so confident on how to write a unit plan when I left college. And yet you wanna take a guess as to how many unit plans I've written in the past 12 years? Anybody wanna guess? Zero. Yet do you want to know how many times I've taken on more work because I didn't know how to say no. I didn't know how to advocate for myself or effectively teach content to kids that just weren't engaged in the information. Way too many times to count for that one. So if you're finding yourself fitting in with the second scenario I just explained, taking on too much work, not knowing how to advocate within your role, not knowing how to confidently or effectively coach or lead in your classroom, Stay tuned for this upcoming review. I'm pretty confident you're going to love it as much as I did. So you might be wondering, okay, Lindsay, this sounds great. What book are you talking about? The book I am talking about today is called The Coaching Habit. Say less, ask more, and change the way you lead forever. It is written by Michael Bungay Steiner. And he, in all honesty, he's very new to me, but he is certainly not new to the coaching scene. He has a coaching company called Box of Crayons, which right, totally re relevant to education. And trust me when I say I couldn't put this book down. I absolutely couldn't. I finished in two days. I have, there are notes written all over this book. I fell in love with it from about the first page on. And the very first connection that I made from this book to both the work I do as a behavior specialist and the coaching work I do through Define University is that one of my own personal mottos is small, simple, strategic steps is all it takes to build your momentum forward to sustain behavior change. That's my take. But Michael says it even simpler than this in his book. He says, do less good work and more great work. So powerful, right? Couldn't you just see that like posted on a classroom somewhere? Do less good work and more great work. Now, initially, these may not seem like they have anything to do with one another, but hear me out. Less good work. So good to me are the things that fall into the, I should do this, I need to do this, I have to do this. They may be a part of our day, but they're not the things that set our soul on fire. That's the more great work. The great work is the things that just light us up, the things that we can't stop thinking about, the things that we are, even when we try and relax, we're still you know, journaling out notes and writing things down and researching this and checking this out. That's great work. And great work happens with small, simple, and strategic steps. So does that make more sense now? Is make more sense on how it all kind of connects together? And we've got to really look at the strategy behind it. And so the strategy behind it is exactly as the book title reads, saying less, asking more questions, which then changes how you lead, how you lead in your classroom, how you lead in your role as a coach, how you lead your family, how you lead your business, how you lead your life. Guys, it's all the same. Remember, at Define You, we don't redefine ourselves by the roles we serve. We define ourselves from within, and we carry that definition out with confidence to all the roles that we serve. All right, back to the book, though. Let's, let's bring it in. Here we go. I told you, I, I get pumped when I'm talking about this stuff. So this book is broken down into two main parts. 
The first part talks about habits, and the second part really coaches you on seven questions to ask to have that effective coaching conversation. And get this, he, he, I think I truly think he wrote this with teachers in mind because the goal of these coaching conversations is to have them in 10 minutes or less. Yeah, 10 minutes. Sign me up. I don't know about you, but I can do 10 minutes. When I think something's going to take me an hour, even half an hour, I might put the brakes on and I might say, ooh, I'll do it later, right? We fall into that do it later syndrome. But 10 minutes, sure, I can do 10 minutes. But before we get into those questions, let's start with habits. How many of you listening have a current habit of trying to solve all the problems that come your way? You can't see it right now, but my hand is up loud and proud. That is a long-term problem that I have been working on really hard, mind you, uh, but it is something that I continue to work on. It was a habit for so long. All right, I'll be, I'll be real. I'll face it when I'm still working on, but that just because someone asks me a question, guys, it doesn't mean I have to solve it. And I'm, I'm going to repeat that one more time. If someone else has a question, it doesn't mean I have to solve it or you either. Yet we do or we feel like we do. And why is that? Because it's a habit. A habit is learned. We aren't born with habits. We create our habits by the actions that we take every single day until they are actions that we take without thought. So simply put, that's what a habit is. It's a behavior we do automatically. It's a behavior that we do without thinking. And I will mention, so I think it's important to bring this up, that habit is different than a reflex because those we are born with, right? You know the reflex, you know, sneezing, coughing. If, if the doctor hits your knee and you do your, the reflex test, those are, we're born with those. But habits, habits are a choice. And I think that's what's so key. And it was really hard for me to even, even know kind of moving forward. Like, you mean I've chosen some of these habits? Yeah, we've, we chose all of our habits. So it's very important that for me and you too, if we want to change our own behavior, we have to recognize it first. Yet thinking about what I just said, if we do something by habit, we aren't thinking about it. And so I appreciate that Michael put this into his book because so much of behavior change is simply about bringing awareness to it. As I learned from one of my absolute favorites, Miss Rachel Hollis, who learned it from John Maxwell, hope is not a strategy. Behavior change isn't something that happens by chance or by hope. It happens with small, simple, strategic steps. So the first part of this book teaches all about habits. And I'm going to share with you today my top three takeaways. So the first takeaway I had from this part of the book is that is what he calls figure your trigger. And that, I, I mean, I love it. I, you guys know I love behavior. I'm a behavior nerd. But what I also love is that there's this connection in his book between behavior change, mindset, and really connecting the two together through this coaching lens, which is why I think I, I loved every single second of it. But so figure your trigger. So we know that all behavior starts with a cue. It starts with a signal. So in contrary to what many people will may think, behavior doesn't just happen out of the blue. I hear it all the time, but trust me, it doesn't. <laughs> it's always linked to something. And what I tell teachers most often is we may not always know it. We might not like it. We might not understand it, agree with it, or even see it, but it's there. Figuring out your trigger, 
you're then one step closer to changing the behavior. And triggers are found in our environment and they will always be in our environment. I think that is so essential. See, it's not about eliminating triggers. It's not about getting them to never be around. It's about changing the behavior, the action that we take after the trigger happens that will lead to that sustained behavior change. The second thing he talks about that I really, really loved is he talks about getting specific with the replacement behavior. All right, he doesn't talk about it this way. He actually calls it the double asset. Short and specific when you are defining a new behavior. I, of course, add in the terminology replacement behavior because that is something that as a BCBA, as a behavior analyst, as a special education teacher, that is language I use every single day. And I think it's language, I hope it's language that you all use as well. So when we decrease a challenging behavior or a habit, it doesn't just disappear. Right. It's the same with our kids behavior. Their behaviors don't just disappear. We don't we don't go home on a Friday, snap our fingers, say, I really hope it's gone by Monday and it disappears. Now, if it does, you know, one, I think we got to look and see what was actually going on, because maybe it was something medical. And by taking some medicine, that behavior then did go away. But 99% of the time, it's not just going to disappear. What actually happens is we increase a skill deficit that they had by increasing a new skill. We taught a new skill. And it's the same for us. We have to get specific about what new behavior we want to increase. And then the third takeaway is we practice. And we have to practice over and over and over again. We start small, we build over time, and we keep practicing. So the habit formula that Michael shares is when this happens, that's your trigger, instead of your old habit, what you typically would do, I will, you add in your new habit. Pretty simple, right? So then the question becomes, why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? If it's that simple, why don't we do it? And I'll tell you why. Because the old habits serve a purpose. They work. They solve our problems for us, right? Here's an example. If someone asks me a question, which is a trigger, and I say, sure, I'll do that for you. That's the behavior. It provides me a sense of pride. I'm helping someone. And it gets them to stop asking questions. And that's what behavior does, right? It solves a problem we have. It's not until we ask ourselves, is this serving me? Is this behavior that I'm doing solving the problem in the most efficient way? Is it the way that I want to handle the situation moving forward? Because once we become aware we have a behavior we want to change, that's when the magic happens. And this is why, for educators, this is why it's so important to know and trust that we have to involve students in behavior change. I can't change anyone else's behavior but my own. So if I'm implementing a plan that a student has no idea about, what's the likelihood there's going to be sustained behavior change? Not very likely. But instead, if we teach the student the current contingency that we're using to solve the problem, that they're using to solve the problem, such as right now you rip up your math paper and you scream so that I stop asking you to work on the problem set. How about instead you put this card on your desk and that's gonna signal to me that you need a couple minutes before we get started. Now, of course, this process would be a little more involved than this. I've simplified it for the sake of this episode, but the message is the same. 
If you want behavior change, awareness has to be the central foundation. It has to be anchored in it. Otherwise, we're not going to get the sustained change that we're looking for. So I mentioned the first part of this book is all about habits. The rest of the book then goes into seven questions to ask for this effective coaching session that, remember, happens in 10 minutes or less. So that's the super exciting part. And so these seven questions I'm going to list for you here. And the cool thing is, is you know, I again, I highly recommend this book because what it does is he gives you time in the book to write these out for you. So there's space after each each training that he has you write out what's your trigger, what do you typically do, and what are you now going to do to practice these seven questions. And so there's different, and the other piece that's cool is that I am going to give you the one question. He also gives you different variations of that question. So again, I think the worst thing that any educator wants to feel like is a robot, right? We all want autonomy. We all want to be able to be creative and make it feel like us. And so that's one of the, the nice things too I appreciate it is that while he does give a question, he also expands on that question to make it fit maybe the scenario that you are working with yourself. So what are these questions? The first question is called the kickstart question. And that question is, what's on your mind? That is going to be your door opener to having a conversation with someone that is going to lead into this coaching session. So what's on your mind? The second question is what he terms the awe question. And what else? So that's what it stands for, A-W-E, and what else? And I, I'll be honest, I have used this just in my, in my work. You know, what else is going on? Anything else you would like to add? What else came up? What else did the student do? It's a really great question, even though it's three, three words. It's a really great question to get more information from somebody. Um, and so, you know, he also mentions that this question might be used a few times. So we've got what's on your mind? What else? Then the focus question, because we've asked what else? So we've asked all this stuff coming through. Now we're going to come in with the real focus question. What's the real challenge here for you? So of all the things going on, what's the real challenge? What's the biggest challenge? What's keeping you up at night? What's keeping you here past, you know, dismissal? What is it that you can't figure out? Then we head into the foundational question, which is, what do you want? Like, what are you looking for? What is it? What is your end goal? What, what result are you seeking? The lazy question comes next at number five, and that is, how can I help? So again, you will notice none of this has really been about me as the coach as much as it's been about you as the you know, educator that I might be having this conversation with. Up until number five is when we really step in and say, how can I help? What part of this can I help with? Number six is the strategic question. And this is if you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? And I think this is really important. We have to be mindful that if I'm saying yes to this, I'm automatically saying no to something else. And I don't know that we're always as aware of this. I know as myself as an educator, I'm not always thinking that way. But it is important because we have to realize there's a choice. And I have to weigh out that option of what am I saying yes to and what am I saying no to? Then the last question is the learning question. What was the most useful for you? 
So this is going to help really bring that conversation together, allow the person that you are coaching to really take something out of it, to take something away from this conversation. Because remember, we're coaching. We're not telling them what to do. We're not giving instruction. We are coaching because that's where the ripple effect comes from. We don't want people to be dependent on us, meaning we don't want them to keep coming back to us time and time and time again. We all have those people in our lives, right? And what's the one thing we keep asking? Why do they keep coming back to me? So part of it, and part of it might be you're just an amazing person and they love chatting with you and you always phrase it in a way that they can understand. But part of it might be, you know, and I know this is true for me. A lot of times people used to come to me because they knew I would take it. They, I would take their problems. I would take it and I would fix it for them. And so through this model, I've already started to really use these practices to, to use these exact questions. And I'm feeling better because not only is there less on my plate, but I'm also teaching someone else how to do it for themselves. And isn't that what we all want? Don't we all want, again, that autonomy of, I want to do it my way. And I just want that reassurance that my way is going to be heading me in the right direction. One other part of this book that I love is that it's the same habit formula as I presented before. Like I said, and it's, it's built into these chapters. And so I'm going to include one here for you so that you can see how I worked through it myself. So I just mentioned, and anyone that does know me knows that I'm a rescuer by nature. I love to people please. I love to help first and then ask questions later. Well, I did before I read this book. Now I'm working on asking questions first and helping later. So the question related to how can I help, aka the lazy question, immediately piqued my interest. So ultimately, this chapter alone was exactly what I needed to hear. And part of it is there is a huge difference between being helpful and being helpful. Do you know what I mean? He goes on to explain that by jumping in and ultimately rescuing someone by helping them before they've even asked, we make the assumption that they can't do it or that maybe I think I'm going to do it better. And while neither of those might be the case, sometimes our intentions don't come across the way we ultimately intended. And on top of that, we end up with more work. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I have yet to meet a teacher who doesn't have enough work to do already as it stands. So what do we do? We change the habit. When someone comes to me with a trigger statement that leads to me taking on more ownership than is probably needed, here's what it often sounds like. Something like, Lindsay, how do I graph that data for the upcoming behavior review meeting? What I actually hear is, Lindsay, will you graph the data for me? See the difference? I made an assumption that wasn't true. I made an assumption that the teacher, by saying, how do I do this, they were saying, Lindsay, will you do this for me? That's and that they're, they're two totally different things, but I'm making an assumption that's not true. So now I change my behavior because that's all I can change. I change me. Same trigger. So it's Lindsay, how do I graph the data for the upcoming behavior review meeting? Instead of my typical response, which was, oh, I'll take it and graph it for you and have it ready for you by tomorrow. No, now I'm going to change it to my new habit. And I'm going to say something like, that's such a great question. How can I help you best understand it? What would work best for you? Do you see, actually, do you feel the difference? I do. You know, I sure, I'm still going to sit down with the teacher and I'm going to go through it. But that's teaching. That's how I'm going to have the teacher learn it in the first place. 
But if I keep doing it and I keep doing it, then guess what? Nothing is going to change except inadvertently, I'm either teaching the teacher to keep coming to me for help because that means I'm going to do it for you. Or I'm telling the teacher, I don't think you're capable of doing it. And again, neither are necessarily true, but are either of them serving me or serving the teacher long-term? Absolutely not. So my biggest takeaway from this book, coaching, leading, guiding, it's all about asking the right question for the right moment. So can you see why I love the connection here between marketing and education? This isn't any different than the education, the environment that we want for our students every single day. We want a classroom full of autonomy, full of creativity, full of innovation, where a strong question leads them on a discovery all about themselves, their learning, their capabilities. If we simply give instructions, if we simply give expectations, we minimize the impact we truly have as the educator in the classroom. I love this, so, this book so much. As soon as I finished it, I ordered the next one, which is called The Advice Trap. So be sure to listen for a podcast review on that book in the near future. You guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been a blast. If you love what you heard, I would love, absolutely love it, if you would leave a review, subscribe, and share this out with your friends and followers on social media. I am also beyond excited to announce that enrollment is now open for my signature course, Ignite Your Legacy. This is a 12-week course teaching you how to ignite your legacy as an educator and transform your teaching. In this course, I'm going to help you go from overwhelmed, lost, and confused to confident, strong, and proud of who you are both inside and outside of the classroom setting. And what sets this course apart from any other teaching professional development out there are two distinct things. One, it's 12 weeks long. So no sitting in a course for three hours or a day. You're going to get this coaching, this development, this instruction for 12 weeks. And the second part, you have me as your coach, guiding you, coaching you, teaching you every step of the way. We meet once a week for a virtual group call to really dive into the material and make it applicable to your classroom. This isn't you buy it and you're on your own. This is you invest in this program for not only 12 weeks, but even longer because I can guarantee this information is going to carry you through. Um, And the transformations speak for themselves from the educators that just completed the first round. And I am confident that this upcoming round will have the same transformations as well. All the information and the link to join is all in the show notes for this week's episode. I would love to have you a part of the group, and I cannot wait for the magic to unfold. So make sure to join today as we officially kick off the course, April 26th. I can't wait to see you there. If this course is something you maybe aren't ready for yet, or you're wondering what else is there, come find me on social media. You guys know where to find me. I am over on Instagram at lindsay.titus828, or find me on Facebook at lindsaytitus. Come on, join the Define University Facebook group where you can find free masterclasses, free training. I do a Sunday live every single week to kickstart your week for the week ahead, get you ready, get you in that mindset, using the language and taking the action that gets you to connect with yourself every single day. Because when we connect with ourselves, we get to then connect with all of our students, including 
our most challenging students. And on my promise is that we're gonna do it two minutes at a time. We're gonna do it the simple, the easy way because that's my motto, small, simple, strategic steps to build our momentum forward. All right, you guys, I had such a blast with you on this episode. I hope you did too. Have an amazing week ahead. And as always, we will talk soon.